0: Eucharist? Eucharist, I understand. Eucharist, no problem now. Especially when the next week I'm standing there with my twins in my arms, and when the priest is walking around with the Eucharist, involuntarily the words, my Lord and my God, just came out of my mouth.
1: Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm Robert, and normally we're just a couple of guys talking the catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite craft beers so why don't you pour yourself a pint and listen in for the next little while as we take the faith seriously but not necessarily ourselves and as always if you want to take part in the conversation or you have an idea for the podcast leave us a comment or swing by our facebook page and drop us a message like i said Normally, we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite craft beers, and I know you've been hearing me say that episode in and episode out, and with each passing episode, we get closer and closer to that fabled return of Dennis to the podcast. Now, with each episode, Dennis has been, yeah, I'm ready, yeah, I'm ready, and then kind of as it gets closer, he's like, oh, maybe not quite this time, next episode, next episode, so really are that close to, to Dennis coming back. He is recuperating well, but he does also appreciate all of the prayers. So if you can continue to keep Dennis in your prayers, and we know that he'll be back with us soon. Now, before I introduce this episode's guest, I do have a couple of pre-show shout outs that I want to make. The first shout out I want to make is to our listener, Robert Lichner. Now, last episode with Father Gregory, we we're having a discussion about who is that guy on the label of the Tatra beer can. And Robert uh, stepped up to the plate and he straightened this out. And no, it is definitely not Indiana Jones that is on the label of the, the Tatra beer. Now, Robert, being uh, a wealth of information on not just Polish beers, but also on you know, how the polish and catholic cultures intersect we've actually invited robert to come on a future episode so watch out for that in the next couple of months also want to make a shout out to the folks over at feedspot.com who have seen it in their infinite wisdom to list the pints and pews podcast as one of the best 15 canadian catholic podcasts out there and by doing so they've uh joined us in with a few of our other friends on in the podcast world, with Deacon Pedro of the Salt and Light Hour, and David Scubin over at the Catholic Canuck podcast, and also our friend Kay Albert Little at the Cordial Catholic. So if you want to check out these and other fantastic Canadian Catholic podcasts, swing by blog.feedspot.com slash Canadian underscore Catholic underscore podcasts. And if you didn't get that written down as I was rattling it off so quickly, don't worry, I'll make sure that that gets into the show notes for this episode. So now without further ado, I'll introduce this episode's guest, William Hemsworth. William is a husband, father of four, author, radio and podcasts host, speaker, and theologian. He is a graduate of Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary, but has since come home to the Catholic Church. Through his ministry, he strives to provide Catholics with the resources we need to not only grow in a deeper wisdom of our faith, but also with the means to defend it. William seeks to convey the truths of the Catholic faith in a way that is easy to understand and not intimidating, and he is the author of a number of books including, most recently, A Closer Walk, 40 Short Devotions to Strengthen Your Faith, Life in Christ, Essays on the Christian Life, Church History and Theology, and The Biblical Foundation for the Catholic Faith, among other titles. In a similar vein, William is also the host of the weekly podcast, Know the Faith, Defend the Faith, which you can also find on his YouTube channel, William Hemsworth, The Bible Catholic where in conversation with his guests, William provides a timely resource for Catholics who are looking to go deeper in their understanding of the Catholic faith. And somewhere amongst all of that and all of that busyness, he has found the time to sit down and have a beverage and a chat here with us at the Pints and Pews podcast. William, welcome
0: to the Pints and Pews podcast. Well, it's my pleasure to be on. Thank you so much. And congratulations for being in the top 15 ranked by Feedspot. That's that's a fantastic accomplishment. Congratulations to you.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's uh, it showed up in the Twitter feed the other day, and it's like, wow, okay, that's exciting. And I, I haven't had the chance actually to, to spread the, the word out too much. But no, thank you. We're very excited that we're starting to, to get noticed. And maybe one day we'll have a following, like know the faith, defend the faith. But
0: uh, humble beginnings. Humble beginnings. It always is. The podcast game. It's a lot of fun. You get to meet a lot of great people. And if it's something that the Lord has let, you know, put on your heart, just can't keep plugging away. He'll he'll make it happen. So I know you're doing great things out there. I follow the show. Um I love the pictures that, that you post, you know, with the beer and the books and everything else that you do on a weekly basis. Doing great things. So keep it up. I'm really, really fan of fan, I'm a big fan of what you're doing. Thank you very much. And like you said, it truly
1: is a blessing. Uh, first and foremost, like you said, the, the people that you meet and you get to to know through the, the Catholic podcast world and the, the Catholic social media world, that's one of the blessings. the first blessing is just being called upon to do the Lord's work. Yep. But also wanted, you know, this notion of pints and pews, the, the other blessing that we have is getting to know all of these different craft beers. It's kind of given me the opportunity and the platform to, you know, branch out a little bit. And so again, after reading that bio and, and going through that opening, I'm starting to get a little dry in the mouth. That's probably why I'm fumbling over my words a little bit. So why don't you let us know what you're drinking with, with us here. See, there we go again. What are you drinking with us here at the, the pints and Pews tonight, William?
0: Oh, sure. So what I have today is a Hus Brewing Company. It's a local brewery well, it, it's a craft brewery in Tempe, Arizona, which is about an hour and 15 minutes from me. And it's their Oktoberfest. So just this, your standard fall beer. It's a. It was actually in 2019, It's the great American beer festival, silver medalist. Um, so it's a pretty good beer. We've got this a couple of times and yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I love, I love these local breweries. I love to support them whenever I can and Hus Brewing the top notch beer. So it's good stuff. How
1: about you? Okay. So a couple of weeks ago when we had Thanksgiving, and yes, Thanksgiving was a couple of weeks ago. Uh yeah. Yeah. I know you guys are just gearing up for Thanksgiving down yeah. there south of the border. We're just kind of coming out of it. it was it you know they, they say one of the worst times of the year is that that stint between Halloween and Thanksgiving. So we're just coming out of it, you're just going into it, right? Between all of the turkey and the chocolate, uh, just the calories and the pounds seem to To come on so a few weeks ago for thanksgiving we went to london ontario i always have to to explain to people it's london ontario not london england to visit my in-laws and so ducked into the the little shop there that had a selection of different craft breweries from that area which we don't see out in our neck of the woods and so i picked up it's from the black oak brewing company which is actually apparently out of toronto uh, and they're not brown ale, and I and there's, there's a, a nice little picture of a squirrel on there. And then the, the last episode, I had a picture of a pig. This week, it's a, a squirrel. Uh, and the reason why I picked that for today is, uh, and Dennis is going to hate hearing this when he listens to the podcast, but it was this afternoon was kind of a dunkel kind of day. Right? This one, we actually had our, our first little bit of snow up here this oh, afternoon. Really? It, it was a rain snow mix. Uh, so nothing stayed on the ground, but there was still just that little layer of white stuff on my car when I, I left work today. So wanted something with a little bit more oomph to it. I've never tried this, this nut brown ale from the Black Oak Brewery, but I thought I'd give that a try, especially on today when it's a, a little bit of a darker day. So why don't we open up and get started? We'll take a look at these fine beverages. I always find the trickiest part is getting the my my pour right because so often I get it where there's just way too much foam at the top. And there, look, I managed to finally get it right. There. Very nice. And yeah, it's living up to its uh, title as a, a nut brown. It's a a very nice deep dark brown color there, and that nice little half inch of uh, tan foam at the top,
0: which is is looking really nice.
1: Yeah.
0: And I apologize. Mine is still in the can. Cause I didn't bring a cup. I walked right in from work, but <laughs> uh, that that's okay. There's, there's but, something
1: manly about drinking right out of the can or the bottle.
0: Uh, however, I can tell you, I had poured this into a glass before. It's a, it's light orange. It's not, it's not too strong. It has kind of a sweet flavor and a sweet aroma to it kind of cinnamon notes to it, but it's, it's not, it's not a, it's not a strong beer, but it has just an, it's, just enough of the alcohol content to get that taste of it. It's uh, more of a sweet, but it's pretty good.
1: So, kind of your your typical Bavarian it uh, was, was called a Hellas, like the the, the a, light blonde exactly. beer. So, and, and those are always nice when they're and crisp and, and they always go down so nice. So, why don't we say grace before beer so that we can uh, get into our first sip because that first sip is always the best. Sounds good. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Bless, O Lord, this creature beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant through the invocation of thy holy name, that whoever shall drink it may gain health in body and peace in soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Cheers. Cheers. Good stuff. Yeah, no, like I
1: said, first, first sip or I always like to jokingly call it, you know, first to sipimus. Is, is, is always the best. Yeah, you know, just that, yeah, you know, that that rich flavor, uh, that that bold flavor of there, the nut brown is, yeah, just what was needed on a on a rainy, snowy kind of afternoon evening up here but, north of the border.
0: It was crazy, because uh, our weather is a little different down here. The high was eighty one. Uh, and, oh, so I'm sorry, I'm quickly
1: doing the math. So 81 would be close, uh, probably about 25 to 27 degrees for, for, in Celsius. That's a, that's a
0: nice summer day. Yeah, for, for us, it's fall. So <laughs> <laughs> in the summer, it gets, you know, 110, you know, 105, 106, 107 around there. But right now, the evenings are about 60 degrees. So right now, it's like that perfect time of year right now where it's not too hot. And this light crisp one is just—it's perfect for right now. So,
1: no beer
0: for every season,
1: right? Exactly. And they were announcing on the radio our temperatures tonight overnight. I would say minus one. You're looking at about thirty degrees Fahrenheit.
0: There'll so, be nuclear winter here. People yeah. would freak out. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: <laughs> and that's just light jacket weather. Like when I go out to walk the dog tomorrow morning, just be my, my light jacket. We don't, don't even have the parkas out out yet. So you were talking about your beer from the house brewery in Tempe or Tempe Uh, Tempe it's close to Phoenix. Okay. Down there and there and they are Oktoberfest beer and we're just kind of coming out of Oktoberfest season, which would have been, you know, end of September, beginning of October, but are there other craft breweries or is there kind of a craft beer movement
0: down in Arizona, Arizona as a whole? Absolutely. Here in Tucson, um, It started off a few years ago. There was this one called Nimbus. That was one of my favorite ones. And unfortunately, they went under. They're out of business now. But in its place, there's been about five of them that have popped up here in town. Uh, Barrio Brewing has popped up. Thunder Mountain. And a couple others that have skipped my mind. But Barrio Brewing is um, one of my favorites. They They have a red ale that's really good. And a blonde—that's just amazing. It doesn't even—it tastes more like a soda than it does a beer, which is kind of strange to say. It's not like sweet; it's not super sweet, but you don't even think that you're drinking a beer. So it's really good. But Barrio Brewing—they're doing great business, and they're in all the stores down here. But really, really great stuff. Um, Tucson's really taking off. Phoenix has several uh, craft beers. Uh, Yuma, there's all—all these little cities in Arizona have a craft brewery next to them my sister moved down to senoida which is about 40 minutes from here south and she moved right next to a brewery which is pretty awesome um and they have great beer down there as well so there's there, there, there's a movement in all kinds of ways even the smallest of towns she lives in a town that has population of 200 people they have a brewery nice I, 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 I was just, just gonna stuff going all around
1: I, I was just saying usually it's in the in the small towns we live in a small town. It's not quite two hundred people small, uh, maybe seven to ten thousand people small the the little town that that we live in. And we've got our own brewery. and I say it's you know the perfect distance for me to walk to the to the brewery. I can can walk there. It's one rosary there and and a rosary to, to get back. So it's the perfect walking distance. And I can take the dog there. Um, I always love sharing the story that, you know, I found out that I could take the dog to the brewery. So the, the one day I told my wife, I'm taking the dog for a walk. And I got to the brewery and they they pulled the pint and they said, it's going to be this much. And I I don't have my wallet with me. So then I had to call my wife and say, I'm down at the brewery. Would you you mind bringing some, some cash for my wallet so I can pay for my beer? <laughs> but that seems to be the case. It's a lot of these smaller touristy kind of towns where you're seeing that the craft breweries pop up in the big cities too we have them in Toronto but I, I try to stay out of the big city as much as possible and really love the small town and there's just more of that community feel
0: right exactly craft breweries. yeah a friend of mine down the street um oh 1985 that's the other one it's another big craft brewery here here in Tucson Tucson is about a million people but these craft breweries, there's like five of them now. They just popped up, and they're doing great business. People are excited to support them. Like you said, it's because of the community feel. They're our own. They're our neighbors, our friends, and we want to support them. And really, they just make better beer, let to be honest. Oh, exactly. That's why
1: I always say I'll pay that little bit more for the craft beer because it just has that better taste to it. Right.
0: right. Exactly.
1: And that community feel uh, leads into – my my next question for you is down there in Tucson, do you find that craft brewing and craft beers kind of go hand in hand a little bit with building Catholic fellowship as well? Have you seen any of that
0: going on? I haven't seen it firsthand. However, I would, I will say that whenever I'm with a group of men, whether it's after RCIA or maybe a, a Knights of Columbus meeting, whatever the case is, There's always, someone mentions getting together, having a beer together. And so I would say in that regard, absolutely. There definitely is. I'd say based on where my parish is and where the craft breweries are, there is a little bit of a distance. We don't have the luxury of walking there. It is about a 20, 25 minute drive uh, to get, to get there. Um, And unfortunately there's no theology on taps. And I know last week you were talking with father and he was talking about theology on tap, how he's involved with that. That's one thing I would love to see here in Tucson, because I think that would help um, not only Catholics, but the community as a whole in a big way. So maybe we can, I can get, I mean, I get together with someone. We can make that happen over some craft beer and we can get a theology on tap going.
1: Yeah. And it really is kind of a, a grassroots movement kind of thing and i know like that's that was the 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 catalyst for the podcast was dennis and myself and a, a few other guys we'd get together once every couple of weeks at the local pub have a beer and because we we're all catholic gentlemen we would just naturally talk about the faith right and so dennis and i said well let's just start hitting the record button while right. we do these and really that is kind of the, the communal aspect. It's more grassroots. And yes, sometimes you can have a a more organized version like the theology on tap, but just having that, that grassroots uh, people getting together for a meal, people getting together for a, a drink. We happen to like the beer, but it could be a glass of wine. It could be a coffee.
0: Absolutely. And that's where the, the faith is built. I couldn't agree more. And I think with this whole COVID mess, I think that's something that we're missing. I mean, obviously we've that community, but we miss getting together, encouraging each other, uh, sharing with each other, because really it getting that renewal from those around us and our friends, it helps us go out, live the faith more, share more. It's, it's that whole, like you said, the community feel that strengthens us to live the faith and go out and do the faith really. And that's really how the apostles
1: started out. That's how Christ started out. And then yes. you know, the, the acts of the apostles in, in that they didn't have formalized programs. They didn't have you know, a, a theology on tap or you know, theology by the seashore kind of thing with, you know, with them being fishermen. But they had that communal feel to them. And they, they were like a family and, and a growing family. And so it really is an, an important part of building our faith and developing our faith is having those, those groups. And uh, so I'm happy to hear that, you know, there is kind of a, a small grassroots movement, like you say, where you are down in Tucson, even though it might not be something formal like the theology on tap, but getting together with with friends and inviting people out to is
0: big. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. You, you need to have that invitation. That's, that's how we're going to get new people in the faith. That's how we're going to get those lapsed Catholics back to the faith.
1: And so at this point, kind of the the, the point in the conversation, I would love it if you shared a little bit of your own faith journey. Because as I was reading you know, your, your bio here, uh, you're a graduate of Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary. Yes. You know, most people I know that uh, have their their degrees in theology in the Catholic world, it's usually from the Catholic seminary or the, the, the Catholic college at the local university. So how do you get right. from you know Liberty Baptist theological seminary to being the Bible Catholic?
0: Oh man, what a story. God was totally all over that. All right, so on. I'll, I'll go. I don't want. I'll go back a little bit. When I was thirteen, my mom started taking us to church. Okay, um, she took us to the closest church there was. So right up the street was a church named Sunset Wesleyan Church. So for your listeners that don't know, um, Wesleyans kind of descend from the Methodist tradition. So we started going there. Um, got baptized there when I was thirteen you know, made the whole profession of faith, was youth group president. I joined the military when I was 17, wanted, became a chaplain assistant. That was, I felt this call to ministry later on. I mean, pretty early on, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do or how I was going to do it. So I always wanted to join the army though. And I qualified to do this job called a chaplain assistant. So I was like, Hey, why not? Let's go ahead and do that. Because in that job, you get a, you get to do everything. Um, you get to work with Catholics, Protestants, any religion you can think of. You work with them. I worked with, um, let's see, Orthodox Jews, uh, Muslims, a, a couple Wiccans, even. Uh, <laughs> okay, there's a whole gamut there. So you you, you kind of see, a little bit of
1: everything. And, and and as you're saying that thing, we could have you come in and teach our world religions class just
0: based on your, your experience in the army. Well, actually based on the education i received as a chaplain assistant i took uh, a club course which is one of those tests you can take for college credit and i it one of them was world religions and i passed it with like a 95 (laughs) percent. okay Um, we'll we'll sign you up all right sounds good but it it was there where i first had my i had my first exposure to catholicism okay because I remember my first Sunday working at Hunt Army Airfield in Georgia. I was working the Sunday services. In the morning, there was an Episcopal service. Then there was uh, the Catholic Mass, and after that was a Protestant service. And so I'm on the mezzanine level working the sound system. It was time for the Mass. I was like, I've already set up for it. Uh, let me check it out because I've never actually been to one. And you know, I had all, I had all those uh, misconceptions. You know, the Catholics don't read the Bible. I ha- Somehow, I had it in my mind that Catholics that priests don't preach or anything like that. Um, but I'm sitting there and I heard a reading from Isaiah. Then I heard a reading from Romans. Then I heard a reading from the gospel of Mark. And I was like, wow, that is a lot of scripture. Because remember I came from a tradition where maybe the sermon was maybe based on two or three verses in the Bible. And then there was a 35, 40 minute long sermon based on that. But here's all the all these scriptures here from Isaiah, Romans, Mark. Then the priest gets up. Father Livingston gets up. He gives a forty five minute homily on Mark. (laughs) A forty five minute homily. So I'm thinking, okay. So and it was a really good. It was like, um, this is what I thought at the time. Like it was Billy Graham stuff going on. Like it was it was really intense. It was really engaging. And so I'm thinking, okay. So Catholics do read the Bible, and obviously this guy could preach. And so I kind of just tucked it in the back of my mind. So I let, I let that objection go away that Catholics don't read the Bible. So I'm like, okay, fine. So to fast forward a little bit in two, in 2001, I got stationed in Arizona, went through a divorce with my first wife. It was an old and everything, but, um, met my current wife and she's like, I want to get married in the Catholic church. So I'm like, great. I'll just be, I'll just become Catholic then.
1: So so like most of the people that seem to come through the RCIA, it's like, yeah, let's just get the the rubber stamp so we can
0: go
1: through the process. Jump what what hoops do you need me to jump through?
0: How yeah, however, at this point the annulment wasn't done. I didn't know I needed annulment yet. I had no idea. I was actually quite upset when I found out about it because I thought in my mind that it was Catholic divorce, and that's not that's absolutely not Mm. what an annulment is. Okay, it just means that there's some defect of there being a sacramental marriage. Mm-hmm. Um so it's not a not catholic divorce whoever thinks that it's not what it is at all. Um so went through I sorry I was going through RCIA. um then we had to get the annulment so stopped going to RCA at that point. Annulment got done went back to RCIA. I didn't do it for me though. I did it for my wife. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, ashamed, I'm ashamed to say that but it's the truth. I didn't believe what the church said about the Eucharist. Um didn't believe what the church said about purgatory. Um, those were two of the big ones. Um, oh, and um, assumption, of, assumption of Mary as well. I had issues with that. So I, step, I kept going to mass with my wife, but at the same time, I was falling more and more away, if that makes sense, because it wasn't something I believed. I, I did it for her. And so I always tell people in RCA now, make sure you're doing it because you know that it's, this is true not because you're doing it for someone else cuz it could lead to some issues later on like it did for my wife and I cuz eventually I told her I don't believe what this is and of course you know she's heartbroken she's crying and so that's when I enrolled at Liberty <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay um I had this- and somehow I guess I had that
1: upside down and backwards I figured that the Liberty you know theological seminary was what led you into to all of this that's I had the, the the chicken coming before the egg.
0: Yeah, that, and that'll come full circle again later on. Yeah. It absolutely will. I enrolled in Liberty and decided I was going to get my Master of Divinity in Church history because I had heard that Catholics think that the Church Fathers were Catholic, and I wanted to study the Church Fathers to show that that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm, that, was, mm-hmm. that was my reasoning because I knew better than the 2,000-year-old Church did. So it was like
1: what, like most of us out here.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty much what it came down to. So one of the first classes we had was we had to read a book talking about Justin Martyr, Ignatius of Antioch, and Saint Ir- and Irenaeus. We didn't. It wasn't Saint Irenaeus. It was just Irenaeus. And the book was called, uh, I believe it was called Introduction to the Church Fathers for Evangelicals. And there were some quotes in there from the Church Fathers. Not a lot. It was mostly a summary. Like okay, it, like I remember. There, in regard to Ignatius of Antioch, when he says wherever the bishop is, there is uh, the Catholic church, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Wherever the bishop is, there is the Catholic church. He was rationalized saying this. He's not, mean, he's not meaning the Pope here. He's just talking about the local pastor. I'm like, okay, you can't, that's not what it says though. That's not what it says there. So anyway, brush that aside. Then I read Justin Martyr. Justin Martyr, I call it the Holy Spirit a holy a hit of the holy spirit with a pan on the head type of moment because i'm reading justin martyr in his first apology and he's talking about he's kind of giving this in this outline of the mass how the prophets are read the memoirs of the apostles are read of course he's talking about the gospels the presider talks about it and then bread and wine are brought up to the presider he prays over them and, you know, basically, we believe this becomes the body and blood of Jesus. And we call this Eucharist because only those who believe it's the body and blood of Christ and have been baptized can partake. And so I'm reading this. And to me, this is so funny. And I remember, I remember saying to myself, where is this church? Because obviously it's got to be still around. Where is this church that Justin Martyr is describing here?
1: It takes you back to your, your first time at the, um, the military base. And F- Father Livingston, I believe you said,
0: yes. There's that church, except I didn't connect it yet. Okay, I didn't connect it yet. Something. And where is this church at? I got to find what th- I got to find this church. And so the next one we read is Saint Irenaeus, and Saint Irenaeus. His writings are powerful. I'm so mm-hmm. glad he's been named a doctor of the church. It's way past time, but his his work against heresies everyone needs to read. And he's talking about apostolic succession, how everyone has to agree with the supreme church in Rome. I was like, "Whoa, this is a problem for me," because <laughs> he's talking about, you no know, papal primacy, apostolic succession. Like, what is going on here? So I'm, I'm, I'm still I, during this time, I'm still going to mass with my wife because I even during this time, I found it very important to go to mass. to go to 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 church as a family not Mm -hmm. one person here one person there no it's not a good example for the kids you know a family unit in church together so i've still been going i have still been teaching my kids you know how to kneel genuflect and everything else call out the holy spirit okay i really believe holy spirit is working through me at that point even though i was having my own issues but i'm sitting with mass i'm sitting at mass with my wife and i hear this voice in my head this this just very much said the church that you've been looking for has been in front of you this whole time. So I'm like, Oh, okay. That's, that's nice. No, that can't be it. I can't, I can't can't be Catholic. I can't be anything but Catholic. No, no way. Not going to happen.
1: Yeah. Kind of like we were saying last week with father Gregory, you know, no Lord, you don't get it. (laughs)
0: Yes, this doesn't fit into my plans. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't fit in my plans at all. I'm going to seminary. Okay. Throw something in my mind in, in the line that I can do with that. So I, I keep studying. And, and then we go from that, which, and I found this very strange. We go from that. Uh, we talked a little bit about the development of the Trinity. And then we jump to the 1800s and the whole evangelical movement. We skipped all these centuries, and I found that very interesting. And so I went back and just read, read in between there. And so obviously the Reformation was in there, but I went I went back even further. Um, started reading like St. John Chrysostom. Um, started reading a little bit of Aquinas, not a whole lot of Aquinas, but a little bit of Aquinas. And like, okay, the Church has been going on this whole time until Martin Luther, then somehow Martin Luther fixed it up. That doesn't seem logical to me. That doesn't seem logical. Because even after that, even after the Reformation, there were people that started disagreeing with Martin Luther about, you know, baptismal regeneration, the Eucharist, everything else. So I just kept praying during this time, like, show me this church. <laughs> Please show me this church. And, fi- and finally, I'm sitting... I'm sitting there at mass again and it was like wake up there was like a jolt like wake up and it was during the prayer of consecration send your holy spirit that these may become the body and blood of jesus and the words of justin martyr rang in my mind right away i was like oh another holy spirit on the head type moment
1: yeah yes, the, the the light bulbs the flash bulbs going off
0: right and so i was like okay eucharist eucharist i understand eucharist no problem now especially when the next week i'm standing there with my twins in my arms and when the priest is walking around with the eucharist involuntarily the words my lord and my god just came out of my mouth totally involuntarily i didn't say them Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah (laughs) i was like
0: i was like okay lord i got eucharist cool i got it how about mary what's up with this assumption stuff because I had been reading a lot of material on the assumption. The problem is I was reading from non-Catholic sources who were saying that it was a Gnostic dogma that was condemned by the Pope. And then it was later affirmed by the Pope. And so in my mind, I'm like, how can this be? So I'm on Facebook. Social media is good for a lot of things. (laughs) Um, Uh, Well, it's good
1: for getting the word for getting the word out most of the
0: time. Most of the time. Yes. But this video from Scott Hahn came across my feed and he's talking about the assumption. And it was like everything he was talking about was an objection that I had. And what was even more, I don't want to say coincidental, but it was a God moment. The Coming Home Network had sent me two books on Mary. They sent me Hail Holy Queen by Scott Hahn and Behold Your Mother by Tim Staples. And so I'm reading these books and I'm like, okay, I can see the historical significance for all of this. But that video from Scott Hahn. Wow. He made he made this great connection and it, it seems so simple now. But at the time, I was like, wait, that doesn't make I, I couldn't fathom it.
1: But he, he has a gift for taking the most complex theological ideas and making them so easy to understand to the point where you go, Why didn't I think of that before?
0: That's exactly what happened. Because he, 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 he used this other saints as examples. He said, take any saint through history. St. Augustine, for example, there's a big building erected over his tomb. What would happen if a church claimed to have the body of Mary, who had Jesus inside her, inside her womb? There'd be the biggest chapel ever, but there's not one church that claims to have her body. And I was like, wait, whoa, that's totally logical. It makes so much sense. I could totally buy into that. And so I was overthinking it. He laid it straight with one little sentence.
1: That, that's why I love the film Risen. Have you, you, I'm sure you've seen the film Risen. I have. It came out a number of years ago. Now. I actually always show that in my class. I love it so much. We actually one day rented out the movie theater and got like 10 school buses and took half the school to the movies to go go see this. And just that premise of trying to find the body of Christ to disprove the resurrection. Right. And I, I'm pretty sure it's Scott Hahn that said this line. And I use it all the time, whether it's with regards to the assumption or to the resurrection. You know, like the biggest proof for the assumption, there is no proof.
0: Right. Right. It's as easy as that. Yeah. So that 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 was like the last objection, really. Um papacy, I had reconciled along with the Eucharist around that time. And I had a problem though. I was still in seminary. So I had a choice to make. I could finish the 12 credit hours I had left and finish that degree or I can leave. So after talking it over with uh, a couple people, just finish the 12 credit hours off, finish the master divinity. So I converted, uh, I'll say reverted because I guess technically I converted, you know, back when I did it for my wife, so I can I reverted while I was in seminary. So graduated from there. And I started um, asking around to different parishes and they're like, they wouldn't touch the degree. They're Like, it doesn't matter how much, you know, you need a Catholic degree. So I'm like, fine, I'll go get a Catholic degree now. <laughs> and, and I'm sure it's the same on the flip side. If you were to go with
1: your Catholic degree, to, you know, the, yes. the, the Wesleyan or the, the evangelical churches, they are like, no, we, we want you to have our piece of paper.
0: Exactly, exactly. So I went to St. Joseph's College of Maine. I got the Masters of Theology there just so I could have, so I could have the Catholic ones. So, because I, I would love to do some work in the church at some point. But yeah. And long story short, that's really my story. Um, kind of a roller coaster ride. I, I, I came in for the wrong reasons. I mean, I'm totally upfront about that. And I feel bad about that because I wasted a lot of time, really. I mean, this was a three year process where I was fighting it. And a lot of heartache for my wife, you know, God bless her. She was praying for me the whole time. That's another thing. I apologized to her. I remember sitting in the parking lot, waiting going to go into work at the bank. And I, t- I sent her a text and I said, I'm sorry for everything I put you through. And she's like, What are you talking about? Because I didn't tell her what happened the Sunday before. I was like, All my objections are answered. I'm totally on board with Catholicism. And she called me, she's like, I'm so happy. I just only thing I ever wanted us to do was to grow old going to church together after raising our family and everything. And I've been praying for you this whole time. And so I, I put her through the ringer. I really did, but she, she stuck by me. She prayed for me and I'll never forget that.
1: Now you're sharing that story. I don't, I don't have anything similar along those lines, but you're just sharing that story about your, your wife constantly praying for you and being by your side and being with you as, as you went through that and almost Know, shouldering a cross, yes, right, yeah. And uh, how, how wonderful it is when we do find that person that God has intended for us since our
0: conception. Yeah, Amen. And she she did make this point, Roberta. She said, "I could have, I could have emailed Scott Hahn, Michael Barber. I'm a fan of. I love his work. She mentioned him too. I could have emailed all these guys with your questions, but I knew you had to find it out for yourself."
1: Now you spoke about how you know you came to to grips and an understanding and faith in the Eucharist and the Assumption of Mary. You also had mentioned that purgatory was a bit of an issue for you, and I'd like to kind of go a little bit deeper into that too. Because as we're recording it, th- this podcast, this episode today, it's actually the Feast of All Souls. Yes, and so I think that would be a a very timely thing to go into. I know it'll be a while before I get my act together and get the podcast edited and out there. So it won't be All Souls Day any longer. But speak a little bit about how you came to terms with purgatory, especially coming from a more evangelical faith where purgatory isn't even necessarily within the sacred scripture of the Protestant Bible
0: right so my whole thoughts on purgatory around that time well a couple things one that it somehow negated the work that jesus did for us on the cross and that there's some other destination besides heaven or or that basically it's a second chance at salvation okay neither of which are true um as catholics we don't believe that purgatory is a second chance at salvation we believe perfectly what the Book of Hebrews says that it's appointed for man once to die, and after that, the judgment. There's only that's it. Now, if someone's in, if someone is judged to go to heaven, maybe there's a stop at purgatory, but their destination is heaven. It's not go to purgatory and then decide that you're going to follow Jesus. No, that's not how it is. Once you die, you're done. There's no there's no second chances at that point.
1: As I always tell my students, you know, the way there's that hashtag expression, YOLO, you only live once, right? Choose your destination wisely.
0: Exactly. It's heaven or hell. Purgatory is just a stop on the way to heaven. You're still going to get there at some point. Um, So that was a misconception. Um, I forget who it was. There was a podcast. No, I'll take it. was, i take it back. There was a debate I had listen to with tim staples and james white because i was a big james white fan as a lot of protestants sometimes are um and tim staples had explained that i was like oh okay that makes sense and i looked it up i looked up in the catechism that's what it says okay so okay so anyone who says that it's a misconception and you still hear that objection a lot now does it negate the work of christ absolutely not if anything it's it shows the great mercy Of Jesus that he wants to clean us up so he could be with us and so we could be with him in heaven because the book of revelation says that, you know, nothing unclean can enter into heaven. We go to purgatory. If there's some temporal effect, the same, if we're a little dirty or something, they get scrubbed up, cleaned up so we can go. So it's a great work of mercy on our Lord's part. So in short, that's kind of my two objections that I had and the answers to them.
1: And like I said, on the feast of all souls, we, you know, we need to pray for all of those souls that are in purgatory absolutely. And in the meditation I was reading this morning, you know, as much as there is a joy in purgatory because we know once we're in purgatory, that our final destination is heaven. Now, again, I always say, you know, if after judgment, the doors open and I see it's the flames of purgatory, I'm jumping in because I know the next destination is heaven. Right. That being said, The suffering that souls go through in purgatory. Knowing they're not there yet. (laughs) no, Exactly. Knowing they're not. They're just that close. But any suffering we have here on earth in this life is nothing compared to that final purging. To to that final suffering. And I'm trying to remember if it was the reflection I was reading this morning or from uh, the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. And talking about... Just that notion that the flames of purgatory and the flames of hell and also the, the bright flames of God's love are, are all one and the same. And it's just how are we able to withstand them or how prepared are we for God's love? And one thing that always comes to mind, I heard say, you know, when you go to the movie theater in the middle of July in the afternoon and you walk outside after being in the dark movie theater, you don't want to even open your eyes because your eyes are not adjusted to the sunshine or spicy food. You don't start off, you know, eating chilies raw. You got to kind of work your your digestive system up there. And so it's the same with being in the beatific vision we need to be completely prepared. And at the end of this life, even those of us that are deemed worthy of entering into the kingdom are just not quite ready to get there. Right. And and, and so this notion of, of purgatory, and as you were talking about those frying pan moments, whether it was with the Eucharist or purgatory or the assumption of Mary, uh, another expression I've heard for that is a purgatorial pinch.
0: It's just that I haven't heard that. That makes sense. (laughs)
1: Okay. Uh, Dr. Josephine Lombardi, who teaches at the seminary up here in Toronto, St. Augustine seminary. uh, That's, that's her expression that I I got from her, but just that purgatorial pinch that kind of gets us back on the, the straight and narrow. And so you've taken all of this wealth of wisdom that you've gathered through the years and through your studies and on your journey. And you're now using that to help other Catholics come to, and to uh, borrow a phrase I've heard from somewhere before, but you're helping Catholics to know their faith and defend their faith. I really don't know where I've heard that before. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So if you, why don't you share a little bit, where did the podcast come from? The, The podcast, Know the Faith, Defend the Faith, or the and, and also along with it the YouTube the Bible
0: Catholic, how did those come out of this journey of yours? Back when I was at Liberty, I did have a podcast called Theology Still Matters, and I, I was do, I was doing it off and on. It wasn't a consistent thing, and I fell in love with podcasting because it's another way of connecting with people all over the world. It is addictive. So it 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 is it is. Uh, but about, about two and a half years ago now. I had this um, idea of starting this podcast, Know the Faith, Defend the Faith. I was like, okay, I like the title of that. So I started it, uh, and I started interviewing people for it. And that was in June of 2019. Uh, that's, that was the first episode, June of 2019. And I've had some great people on there, uh, Gary Machuda, he comes on a lot um i've had scott hahn on a couple times mike aquilina and just just other, other catholics that are out there doing great things have yourself on there i was just over, <laughs> at, over, at, over at the catholic moment right yeah which was great feedback for that episode about the sacraments but t- talking to all these people from all around the world that have the same mission as you do which is to throw Jesus um, evangelize teach about his church It's just been such a blessing. That's why I say social media with all its faults has provided that for me. I've connected with lots of great people all over the world that have the same mission. That's why I say that. Okay. It's, It's more, it's even though I love memes and stuff, that's really what it's about is connecting with everyone that has the same mission. So that's what the podcast stemmed from. I wanted to, I wanted to basically I was talking to people who were thinking like I used to maybe people that were on the fence, maybe had questions. And so I do have some Protestants that listen. Uh, there's a friend of mine who's involved with the Southern Baptist Church here. He listens, and he, he'll text message. We me say, I "Have questions about uh, I have questions about this. You know, can we talk about it?" And so we keep putting it off, but eventually we are going to meet at a brewery. Okay, Cheers. Yeah, Cheers. And, and we are going to talk about some of those objections that he has all right yep. he's already he's he's already talked about some my uh, faith alone is one he has issues with because that's what he's taught that's what i was taught so i get it i totally get it and so eventually we're going to go to this brewery we're probably gonna be there for five six hours just sipping on beer with and hanging out and having a good conversation about about the faith about his objections so that's really how the podcast started and then it grew and then it grew into blogging and everything else and um the and eventually the youtube channel i was like finally I was like I'm recording these anyway let me just throw them up on YouTube too and that reached a whole different audience I mean, we just crossed we just crossed 1,080 subscribers a, a couple weeks ago which I never thought I'd ever get there
1: I was so, happy I was happy when we got to 100 so
0: <laughs> yeah so on, on YouTube on YouTube I never thought I'd get there I really don't even know how many I have on on podbean on know the faith I think I have like you said right around 100 or so but But YouTube has gotten a whole other audience involved. I mean, I got a message this morning from someone in Zimbabwe. He was watching my interview with Steve Ray and he's like, okay, that makes sense. I'm going to look into this. So I was like, Oh, amen. That's what it's about. just Planting seeds, planting seeds for the Holy
1: spirit to water. Exactly. And I think it's amazing that you have these Protestant listeners. And I know I had a conversation once with a neighbor and she would see that I'm usually at walking the dog and praying my rosary at the same time. And at one point, some notion of the faith came up and we started chatting and, you know, kind of 10 minutes into the conversation, she's like, I didn't think we could talk about this kind of stuff. Right. And I'm going, well, why not? She says, well, I see you praying your rosary. You're Catholic. There's no way we should be able to have this kind of conversation. Right. Well, You know, there's more that unites us as Christians. Yes. We have more in common than in what divides us. And kind of from what you're saying, and and another friend of mine, uh, another podcaster over at the Cordial Catholic, we'll we'll talk about that. You know, he kind of didn't understand the Catholic faith because he had never been taught what it was really all about. Exactly. Right. And I can't remember who, who said it. I want to say it was Fulton Sheen, but I, I could be wrong on that. You know, like in the world today, there's 6 million people who hate the Catholic faith for what it isn't. And maybe two people who actually hate the Catholic faith for what it is. Right. Give or take. And that's a, that's a paraphrase on that. All right. So it's, it's amazing that, you know, your podcast and the YouTube channel is just you know, scattering the, these seeds and they are finding fertile ground.
0: Yes. And, I, and I'm very thankful for that. That, you know, this is what I tell people. God could use me. He could use you. He could use any one of us. However, to get his word out there, we just have to be obedient. We all have a gift out there. We'll have something God is telling us to do. It may not be podcasting. It may not be a YouTube channel. It just may be going up to your neighbor and saying hi. Whatever the case is, we'll have something. And you never know what is going to come from that. That's the powerful thing is God can use the smallest thing and just launch it, explode. I mean, whatever he wants to do, but we just have to be obedient. And it's just, uh, it's amazing. You know, God could do whatever he wants, but he still chooses to use me. He still chooses to use all of us. And it's just, it's really amazing.
1: And whenever I, I come to that realization that God has chosen myself, I always say, God, what are you thinking? (laughs) Right. Right. Me? No. And I always find that the Lord's conception of what I'm able to do is way higher than what I think it is. And somehow he's always been right.
0: Yeah. Always. He has a good track record.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And you've got a few books out there as well. Uh, In the bio, I I went through a couple of the the titles, you know, A Closer Walk, 40 Short Devotions to Strengthen Your Faith, uh, and then also The Life in Christ, Essays on the Christian Life, Church History, and Theology. And I think probably the the one that's just from our conversation, I think closest to your heart is probably the biblical foundation for the Catholic faith.
0: Yes, that one, it's funny because I— that one is just I could Bible. be wrong. That one is that one is just Bible verses. That's the thing, it's a reference book. And I'm I'm working on a volume two. I'm gonna be working on a volume two here shortly, but that one is just Bible verses on the foundations of the Catholic faith from scripture. And I use and I use the King James Version in there. And some people say, Why are you using the King James Version? Well, I was thinking from my old evangelical background, okay. If I use the Douay Reams, which is a fantastic translation, and I love it, I read it every day. But if I'm a but if I'm a evangelical, I'm gonna think, oh, that's a Catholic source. I'm gonna disregard that right away. Exactly. And so the King James, um, it's public domain. You could list as many verses as you want in it. So that's what I did. And so I'll be doing a volume two on that because I, um, I only did about half of what I wanted to in that one. And I did I did uh, put my conversion story to paper. Um, I'm waiting to see if anyone wants to pick that up right now. And I called it the Holy spirit in the frying pan, how I came into the Catholic church, kicking and screaming. (laughs) Okay. That's, (laughs) that's kind of, that's kind of the working title. So that, so hopefully that'll be out soon, but I'm waiting to see if anyone wants to pick that up before I self-publish it.
1: Well, those of us that have been in the Catholic, you know, cradle Catholics, a lot of us are staying here, kicking and screaming as well. Sometimes, right? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So where can people go to find out about William Hemsworth and the podcast and the YouTube channel and the books? Is there there one place where it all comes together?
0: The easiest place is really just to go to my website, williamhemsworth.com. And there's there's tabs up top that'll take you to the YouTube channel. It'll take you to uh, the podcast. It'll take you to the Amazon author page. And yeah, everything's right there.
1: Well, I'm taking a look at my glass. I, I had a guest before. I'm not, I can't remember who it was. They, they referred to my my beer glass as an hourglass because it seems <laughs> <laughs> seems to take about an hour for it to, to 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 empty. So, I want to thank you, William, for taking the time out to be here on the Pints and Pews podcast. Conversation was great. the 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 pints were were, were good too. The Hus Oktoberfest. Yes.
0: Closing thoughts on that? If you can get it, try it out. It's pretty good. I think it's the best Oktoberfest one I've had. So, And that that's one thing I,
1: I want to look into. How can we get some cross-border craft beer? You folks south of the border have you know a wonderful craft beer tradition going on down there and, and lots of wonderful brews. And the same up here in Canada. We have all of these amazing beers – but this kind of seemed to stop at the border and, and not yes. cross paths because I, I would love to give that Oktoberfest uh, a try. I spent I, I lived for six months just outside of Munich and it was in the springtime. So it wasn't an Oktoberfest season, but every weekend seemed to be like Oktoberfest <laughs> there. Right? So uh, the, the Bavarian beers do have a, a special place in my heart.
0: Well, and I thank you for having me on. It was an absolute blast to be on with you. Thank you.
1: Oh, you're welcome. And like I keep saying, once Dennis is is up and around, you know, somewhere down the line in the future, I I would love to introduce you to to Dennis and Yeah, I'd love that. And and have another chat. So as always here on the Pints and Pews podcast, the pints have been great. The conversation has been so much better. Just before we wrap up here on the episode, there's one quick favor I would like to ask of our listeners, and that's if you could just take a quick moment and a couple of clicks to follow the Pints and Pews podcast on your favorite platform and give us a review. By doing that, you will help others find and get to know the Pints and Pews podcast and through our ministry here, get to know the wonderful ministries of gentlemen like William Hemsworth here. While you're at it, give us a like on Facebook and drop us a line there. And God willing, we'll be able to chat again in a future episode of the Pints and Pews podcast. But until then, I ask our listeners to remember the wise words of G.K. Chesterton. In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. God bless.